Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. I don't know if I can tell it. I have a funny story. So Tom has a new hire or it's not on his team. He has a new hire at work, like a new guy on the other team. And he fell asleep on a client call in front of the customer. Like video on? <laughs> yes. In, a, in the <laughs> office, in a room with his coworkers, but he was like sitting behind them. And so his coworkers couldn't see that he had fallen asleep, but the client could. And he's like, they were like, Hey, are you so-and-so are like, are you sleeping? <laughs> You get fired for that? He did asking like, for a fr- I was like asking for a friend. Like, but the CEO called him into the office and like gave him a ton of shit and like screamed at him. And like Tom was walking in when he was walking out and he was like beat red and like very, very upset. But I guess it's not the first time this guy has fallen asleep at work there either. Wait, He's like is? two weeks in and it's his first like real Does job. Narcolepsy? Is that what it's called when you sleep all the time? Or like no, like we're no. just guessing that like he's probably not going to bed early enough. Like he has a real job, you know. He hasn't figured out that it's time to be an adult now. Right, like, he's probably right. like younger because I did that when yeah. I was younger too. Yeah, I didn't fall asleep at work, but I would go to no. work like so tired that no, you were almost yeah. not functional. Right, right, yeah. I mean, like if you're gonna fall asleep, like you should stand up. You should get caffeine. Like there's ways to prevent yourself from falling asleep at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now if I'm not in bed by like 9.30. <laughs> yes. So Merlin, um, at your age, it must be like 8.30. Oh, I mean, yeah. The kids go down, you go down. Pretty much. Last night, Nora was like, oh, can you come with me to go get, I don't know, something from her room? And I was like, do I have to get up? Can't you just go by yourself? I'm so sleepy. This was at like 7.45. <laughs> You know, get my tum all full of dinner and just go right to sleep. That's so early. I didn't actually go to bed then. (laughs) Were you falling asleep in the recliner? (laughs) Like a grandpa? (laughs) Because I will say that I fall asleep in the recliner all the time. (laughs) Like watching a movie and it's like 9.30 and I'm like, oh, it's like midnight. No, it's 9.30. (laughs) Yeah. As I was falling asleep last night in my recliner, like I typically do on a Thursday evening, um, I was thinking about uh, like our last week podcast, how we talked about XRM toolbox and ways that you can take a look at what you've designed or put out there um, beforehand, like the attribute um, usage one you can see. I actually ran that against our system this week um, and just kind of want to know, was thinking about like, hey, what do you do before you even get to that point that it's deployed? So uh, maybe we should talk about some things like for UI best practices and design best practices to get people on board quickly and well. It's a good Liz, idea. What are you thinking or what ideas do you have? Well, I think there's a lot of different components to UI. So there's kind of the overall UI of the app potentially that the, the end user is working in, but then you have all the different components of, you know, the form, the views, et cetera. So I think there's a lot to consider um, when trying to make a efficient, easy to use system. Especially, you know, we don't have complete control, but there are a lot of things you can influence through out of the box configuration. 
It's true. I'm curious, do you draw a distinction between UI best practices and UX best practices? So like the interface versus the experience or are they kind of lumped together? I personally lump them together. I don't know if that's the right thing, but I kind of just, yeah, think of them as one and the same. I intertwine them as well um, because as I'm designing out a form or something, I'm always going to think about how the person's going to end up using it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that works in a like dynamics or a model-driven app experience. I think in a Canvas app experience, they probably are a little bit more separated just because you're designing more of the UI from the ground up, whereas you know, model-driven or dynamics, you're, you're using the UI that Microsoft has given you and then it's say, well, what do I do with it to make it a little bit better? And that I feel for falls more on the experience side. Yeah, I think that's a fair distinction, definitely. That makes sense. And I've never built a Canvas app, so I'm intrigued to hear, like, that should definitely be another topic because I'd love to hear from the ground up, like, how that works. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it's also a bit challenging, but it's fun. (laughs) So within Dynamics, if we're thinking about UI best practices and some of the things that we do, since since Liz, you, you mentioned all of the different areas, maybe let's start with on a form from your perspective, what are some of the things that you think about when you're designing a form to make it better for the user? Sure, um, I guess one thing I like to do that I don't see commonly done are the tool tips. So like if you put in text in the description of the field like and you hover over the field, then you get that pop-up label. And so if a field is maybe not super self-explanatory, like that's just extra reinforcement of, hey, this is what this field is used for. So I think that's really nice. I think the other thing that I see people miss is thinking about how the form works if you tab through the fields. I think a lot of people assume like someone's using a mouse or a touch screen, um, but I think there's still a lot of end users that are kind of like old school <laughs> and they might tab through it, you know, and that might be their preference. And so just to consider like all forms of interaction when you're placing like the fields or subgrids or whatever on the form. I agree. Really good point. Yeah, that's actually something that I like always have in my mind. And that's actually something I wrote down today. It was like, make sure you talk about tabbing because I, all of my salespeople, especially now that everybody's like in this COVID world, I would say that they're not on their phones as much. They're not using the mobile app or like, you know, they don't have the iPad out on the road or whatever. They're, they are sitting at a desk making calls and doing video conferences. So they're going to be entering things in on a laptop, a computer, whatever they have. And so I always try to arrange the fields in a way where they're logically going to fill them out in order because then they can just tap through them, especially in like today's environment. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing that people kind of can overlook is that you have a header and a footer and like you can put, you can use those for fields that aren't used as often maybe, or like, you know, they need special attention maybe in the header. And like the footer is nice for anything that you want to show, but you don't have to edit it. So I just think those are like kind of undervalued sometimes in form design and people just kind of focus on the body of the form. And I've always used the header for um, things that like, I don't want to say that they're required, but you want to draw attention to them. Mm-hmm. Cause I really try to limit um, the number of required fields when creating new things. Um, I primarily work with salespeople um, and they hate filling out data, right? So I um, I use the headers to like draw attention, like, hey, this is important down the road. You don't have to fill it out today, um, but it's there staring them in the face every time they open like a, an account or um, an opportunity. So mm-hmm. Those are good points. 
honestly, I had never considered the tab thing, which is kind of funny because I, as an older person, as we've previously discussed on this podcast, uh, I often tab through applications, but I don't think about that when I'm designing a, a dynamics form because I'm not thinking about it as from the user perspective, right? I'm thinking about it from the consulting perspective, which is I just have to get these fields on here and they need to do these things and less from actually walking through it as a user, which I think is a good reminder. And I think that the training, like when I do training with people and I set, like, I always have them share their screen, like, Hey, you walk me through how you're doing it. That's where you get some of the best, um, ideas from on how to enhance things that you've already put together. That's where the tabbing, I never would have thought to tab either, but salespeople just want to use their keyword. Mm -hmm. It is a lot faster. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I think understanding how they're going to do their job in the system is the key part there. You know, you can, you know, gather, you can probably make assumptions through like what you know through requirements gathering and, and the user stories and all that. But also like Ashley, you said kind of job shadowing where actually watching them work in the system could probably add more insight to of things you might have not thought of or caught kind of on the initial design. And that's interesting to me because I would have thought, because like when Microsoft, obviously this new UI, the tabs are across the top, right? Um, in Dynamics specifically. Um, and so I thought that was awesome because I was like, oh my gosh, you don't have to scroll anymore. Like everything can be above the fold, which is a marketing term, right? And you can just tab um, in between all the different sections, fill out the fields. And I very quickly found out that salespeople hate that and probably most users do. So on the customer service marketing side as well, um, they're like, no, I just want to scroll or I want to like put in, you know, my find thing and then type in the field that I'm looking for. Um, they want, they're used to it. They, they want to scroll. They want everything to be on that front page, even if they have to scroll a little bit to find it. So I've, I've really had to change like my thinking because I was like, oh, let's do like six tabs, but maybe now it's only three tabs, but they have a lot of sections on them. Um, salespeople love that for some reason. So it might not be what I want, but it's what they want. Yeah, and that, that was a big change going from like kind of the previous interface to the unified interface. I wanted to ask that um, because I've had very different opinions on projects of should everything be on one screen and you scroll, or should you split it out into a bunch of tabs and try to have everything on a screen be above the fold, like you said, actually, like where you don't have to scroll. Um, so it's interesting that your, your users actually don't like the tabs. Yeah, and that's been common across multiple, you know, even when I was a consultant working with um, companies, a lot of them didn't want a lot of tabs. Like I always remember the getting it out to like the end users, they hated the tabs, but the like systems people at the company's IT or, you know, whoever was, you know, and had a head of the project, they loved the tabs. So I think it's just a different, um, like, cause I like the tabs, but I'm not the one using the system every day. Right. And yeah, that is interesting. I feel like there's probably an element of that now that maybe it's a little bit more important with the unified interface because it is responsive. So to, to try to get everything above the fold, you don't actually know where the fold is because you don't know how big the screen is on the device that that person is using. Or are they so zoomed I, in or zoomed out or? <laughs> right, like, or their magnification is on because their screen is halfway across the room and their eyesight's bad. Um, or they're using a surface, which if you try to use it as native resolution is impossible to see anyway. Um, so I feel like there's, 
like that might be a little bit of a fool's errand now to try to keep everything above the fold and make all those multiple tabs. Um, it's, so it's it's kind of interesting then that I wonder why why do, why do the IT people like the tabs but the users don't like the tabs? I'm what used is it to about tabs. tabs for IT people. Like you think about like when you have your browser open and you have Google Chrome, like I open up like a different tab for everything. Like I always have 15 tabs open. Every yeah. salesperson that I know has a different window open for every little thing that they're looking at because it's just a way to keep them organized. I don't know. It's just a different way of thinking about things or personality. Um, it's just interesting. Yeah. It's like different habits almost. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I wanted to talk about the responsive design, Marlene, because I think that that's a big one uh, when you're talking about subgrades, because depending on how you're zoomed in or out, it might look like the traditional subgrade that we're used to, or it's going to go into that like little form box where it only shows three pieces of data. Um, Do you like that new subgrade view? Like that thing drives me nuts. I'm like, I want the old subgrade back. <laughs> I like it in some cases, but not others. And that's where it's hard because you don't know which one's going to appear, but depending on how they're zoomed. Right. And then um, also because it's responsive, if you have three columns, that third column is going to go down to the bottom if they're too zoomed in. So then they're like, my screen doesn't look like yours. And so it's it's a whole, that responsive design, I want to say it's great, but it also causes some of those headaches when you're trying to get everyone on board because uh, their screen's not going to look like yours. Yeah. Or if they're trying to follow like documentation or, or training video and they're, you know, they're trying to go step-by-step step and they're seeing something totally different. I could see how that would be frustrating or difficult. Now yeah. that's a good point. Um, and I feel like that was <clears throat> like, I, I sort of go back and forth on the responsiveness of the, the unified interface forms, because on the one hand, to your point, Ashley, like that's really cool that like I can just build one form and it'll work everywhere. But on the other hand, your user experience is going to be so dramatically different because if I'm on a screen where I can fit all three columns, I can put a field at the top of each column and those will be the most important fields that will show up at the top if I'm on my computer. But if I pull it up on my phone, I'm going to get one important field here and then I'm scroll, 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 one important field there, scroll, 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 one important field there. And so it like, it changes the experience so much that I guess I question if it's if it's still valuable to use the responsive design and only design one form, or if it's still a better idea to try to design different forms for different experiences and have like, this is the app for mobile devices and it has all the mobile like optimized forms. And this is the app for everybody on the computer and it's got the computer optimized form. What if when you're designing the one form though, you just know that it does that. And so you don't put the fields across the top. Also, it wouldn't, you would never tab that way. Like it tabs down first. So I just think it's, it's true. A, you have to remember that when you're building out your form that these are my top four fields and I'm going to stack them vertically in the left column. Yeah, that's I, fair. Yeah, I agree with you because I, I mean, I can see the benefits of both, right? Is like having this is for mobile, this is for the web because you do use them differently. I can totally see a benefit in that. But from a management standpoint, I would hate to have to manage two different apps for two different things. Also, salespeople love that when they go to their mobile phone, while the responsive design makes it look different, it, it's still the same. So they're like, oh, sure. I need this field. I know that it's in this box titled this and I can just scroll until I find it. Um, so I've actually found better adoption of the mobile app since the responsive design has been out because 
it doesn't look different for them. And I mean, even in the wave one changes coming, they're, they're ma still making changes to the mobile app to make it easier to use in the responsive design. Nice. All right. Good points. Yeah, Good the points. mobile app is dramatically improved. Like if you haven't looked at the mobile app since Unified Interface, revisit it. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's much better. True. All right, have we beaten forms to death? Do you have any ideas about views? I have one more forum comment. Okay. And it ties into views, so it's perfect transition. So you know how you can label a field on the form, and then there's yeah. also the display name of the field. One of my biggest pet peeves is when they're different because it's one thing on the form, and then if the end user is ever looking at it in a view or trying to build an advanced find, they don't know what field it is. And it just like, I think it's super frustrating and it's like the best way to get them to not use advanced fine because they just don't know. I agree. I actually walked into a system that had a lot of display names um, that are different than the, the name and you know, the back end. And it was hard for me. Like I would have to constantly go back and like pull up the form and say, okay, what does the display name change to? Why can't I find it? You know? Mm -hmm. So I had trouble. Um, so I can't imagine trying to like teach my users to do I, I, it's well and most end time. users don't have permissions to pull up the form designer or aren't going to have right. some add-in like level up to check it like they're not going to have any way to know unless they go to someone that's a system admin and like ask them to check what the display name is and it's really hard to do advanced find yeah. training when at the end of it you say oh and if you don't know what the field name is let me know because then they're yeah. like well just build it for me yeah yes <laughs> I've seen systems like that, yeah. and I just feel so bad for the end users because they're just so stuck. I agree. That is a great tip. Don't do that, kids. <laughs> Don't change the label on the form. You'll confuse everybody. And I have noticed, I feel like previously, if you, if you changed the field display name, it would update it. Like, you didn't have to manually change them both, or am I crazy? Uh, it does not update both. Yeah, I think you're crazy. Okay. On I feel like it used Sorry. to do that. But yeah, I notice it doesn't. And I'm like, well, that's great. <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't do that. Um, that is a good segue. So view design. Uh, Limit your I think, columns. Yeah. <laughs> try, try not to put too much on your view and put all the useful stuff on the left where it'll actually show up. But not uh, not a related record name. Like if it, the first column is a hyperlink to not the record and it takes them like the owner, for example, and it takes them to the user record every time or a parent, the parent record um, that confuses users so bad. Like don't click here, but click anywhere else. <laughs> I know. And it's so hard to be like, well, everything blue is a hyperlink. So it's going to take you somewhere. And then they're like, okay, well, where is it going to take me? And then maybe they end up somewhere that they don't need it to be. Yeah. And it's, it's really difficult to, to train. So I always try to make that first column, the record because it's a nightmare otherwise. Yeah. I'd either, also say, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I was going to switch topics. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, it needs to either be the hyperlink to the appropriate record or, like, not a non-hyperlink column, definitely. Um, and I guess my other comment from my view perspective for advanced find is don't, if you're not using a field, don't have it be searchable. Um, you can limit the amount of fields that you see in the advanced find list, and that also really helps users adopt advanced find. On yes. that note, though, if you are using the field, do make it searchable. Yeah. Oh, yes. I have come across, I've come across systems where they like make everything unsearchable and it's like, well, I need that in a view or they, they don't think that you're going to need it. 
Why really wouldn't painful. you make a custom field searchable? No idea. I've never like heard of a reason. Like, no, because if they're not going to see it or use it, you can, you would do field level security. Like if there was a legitimate reason for them not to use or see that field. Agreed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the other Although, thing I was going to say on, oh, oh, go ahead, Marlon. No, I was, I was just going to piggyback on that and say, I've always sort of wished that if I turned off searchable, so it, it doesn't show up in the list of fields that I can add in my advanced find, but it still shows up if you're trying to add columns. And I always sort of wish that I could turn that off too. That's true. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, so what I was gonna say is like, speaking of uh, view design, I also try to limit the number of views that are on a table inside of a model driven app. Cause I have heard so many people complain, like, I don't know which view to use, or yes. I have all these options in here. And I'm like, oh, don't use that one. It's not applicable. And they're like, well, then why is it in here? Yes, yes, um, yes. That's one of the best things about model driven apps. And if you're not using model driven apps, use model different apps. <laughs> yes. Like have at least one um, because then you can streamline all of that. Yeah. Yep. You turn off all those forms that you've gotten from all of your upgrades. Your account form has like 16 different forms and your users are like, oh, I don't know which one to use. Just put one, just put one in there and then just give them that one. And it's the only one that they'll ever see. And they won't know that there were others. Same thing with the views. And dashboards yep. in the left and navigation. Dashboards. Yep, 100% agree. And what's funny is a couple of waves ago, I have no idea when it was, for, it was sometime in 2020, they now put the my views on top. Mm -hmm. So when you go and like do the drop down, change your view, like all those views that you've created, what, like 10 years ago, if you're at the same organization, like they're all there now at the top. So it's kind of a great reminder to also clean up the things that you've created, like custom just for yourself. Cause yeah. uh, that's all gonna, it's not gonna be hidden at the bottom anymore. Well, no, just true. leave those there forever. <laughs> In a, in a previous system that I saw, so sort of tying back to the too many views, um, we had they, they wanted to build a bunch of system dashboards because the users didn't know how to build the dashboards. So they built system dashboards, but to drive the system dashboards, they needed a bunch of system views. And so then when you were trying to find a system view, there was like this block at the top of like, I don't know, eight different views that all had like number one and then a block that all had uh... number two. And I was just like, Oh, I hate that. Or how about when they start like AA or like A dash or like ZZ to like just order them? Right. That it's like, drives I, me nuts. It's like I just see what name you're trying it. to do, but, <laughs> but it's not. I've seen that on helpful. columns though. So like on fields, if they're not using this one anywhere, they'll put ZZ so it shows up at the bottom so people don't select it. What yeah. do you guys think of that? See, and I feel like that goes back to, I, I wish that if I turned off the searchable that it wouldn't show up as a column that I could add, but because it still does, I feel like that's a situation where if you're legitimately not using that field actively anymore, you put a Z at the front of it, at least it goes down to the bottom of that list. Um, I mean, you could argue if you're not using it anymore, why is it still there? But maybe you still need that data for some reason. You um, can move the data. You that sounds like work, Liz. It's a lot easier to just change the display name to have a ZZ in front of it. If you're, if you're off. putting ZZ in front of it, then you better put do not use on the end too. Like I, I would hate to see just a ZZ field without a do not use label. Like I think the do not use label is helpful if it, that you're really in that situation. Right. Cause you can't inactivate yeah. fields, right? You can no. only delete them. No. Yeah. No. And if you delete them, you lose the data in it. Mm -hmm. Merlin, did you say you right. don't have to delete it? No, I'm saying 
deleting it would mean if I needed that data, then I got to put the data somewhere else. Sounds like a whole big process. I'll just put some Z's on the display name and then forget about it, right? Like that's sort of the, the right. easy answer. Right, because there's but, not a way to hide it from the end user, but keep it in the database. Right, yes. exactly. What you end up with is like a bunch of spreadsheets with like, oh, here's all the exported data from this field and exported data from this field. I've seen that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess mm -hmm. I can see that. I feel like the, the true answer now would be uh, replicate that snapshot out to your connected Azure data lake and then just delete the field because you don't need it anymore. And if you don't know what a data lake is, Merlin describes it to us in a previous podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you put all your data in and you swim around. Okay, can I ask about, you know how when you create a new a new entity table, sorry. And there's that name, that out of the box name field that you get. My first question is, do you guys leave it as a name or do you like try to relabel it to something that's like more useful? Depends. I know that's not a great answer, but it depends on what I'm building. <laughs> so I was going to say the same. Yeah, I, it's such a cop-out answer though. Um, because like depending on, yeah, it completely, it, yeah, it's a hard question to answer. I don't even know like a better way to answer it than just it depends. Okay, that's fair. I think probably 95% of the time I leave it as name. Okay, I do too. But I just is, didn't know if I was being yeah. like lazy by leaving it as name most of the time. I mean, I feel like there was a point at which I started, like I started changing it to be like whatever that table was and then name. So like if I'm creating a site visit, it'd be like site visit name. But you know you're on that table. So like, is that, it seems redundant to me. Indeed, indeed. And also this was a long time ago. And, and so anytime that I was building a report uh, and I was typing out the schema name of the field, it was a lot longer to type out in my report query than just name. So I stopped doing it. And oh. I, I, yeah. <laughs> well, that makes me feel better. So my next question is, you know, how, I feel like there's always entities where like it doesn't really need a name though, right? Like you don't really want to make them type something in. And so I, I, I have a way. I auto-populate it with like yeah. a workflow or business process flow. That's what I was going to ask. That's what I do too, Ashley. Like I auto-fill it and I usually concatenate like two other useful pieces of information that they are collecting on that record. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I try to do that whenever I can, especially for salespeople, fill in fields mm -hmm. um, based on other data that they put in. Because, I mean, let's just be honest, salespeople hate data entry. I hate data entry. So, like, salespeople, I can't even imagine. Data entry. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. And so, so, yeah, I try to do that whenever, but especially on that name field, if, if, especially if they don't see it. I mean, sometimes you just hide it because it's right. not necessary for right. them to see but I don't like leaving it blank because if it gets used on a view or an advanced find somewhere, like it's helpful to have it populated. Agree. Yeah. It's true. But yeah, you I would hide it on the, the form. Yeah, hide it on the form and make it unrequired if they don't yeah. need it. Absolutely. I think auto-populating to like another piece of functionality I see people forget to use is um, like data mapping. So if you're creating like a child record from a parent record, like you can auto-populate data through data mapping, which is just a really nice, easy feature. It's true. Although sometimes it's annoying when that happens like automatically to too many lookups. I don't know. I don't know if this is still a problem. What do you mean? Uh, or if either of you have ever encountered it, but like if I if you create a child record, 
that has like multiple lookups to the same parent. So like imagine you create some sort of table that has like three links to accounts, like the parent account and also like a vendor and also like a third party, all three of them will populate with that automatically. And so then you have to like go back and do some trickery to like blank out the ones that you didn't want it to fill. It can be kind of problematic. Yeah, it's trickery code. It's maybe. Define, okay. <laughs> trickery, it's a uh, hocus pocus. Could <laughs> be code. It. Maybe it's a business rule. Maybe it's a workflow or a flow. So one thing we haven't talked about that I really like uh, rolling out for people are business process flows. And I think that that changes kind of the UI and how they work with uh, tables like opportunities cases. Um, and that's how I try to also limit like, hey, you don't have to fill out so much data and then trick them into, oh, but you have to fill it out later as you move along in the process. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also, you can like, phrase it differently. Like, hey, it's now a checklist. Um, I think business process rules are really underutilized. I don't know if you guys see that, but I, I love to throw them on entities where it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I like to use them. Um, it just means that there has to be a semi-defined process to follow, but they're a nice like guideline. Yeah. To say like, hey, here's the data we care about capturing now. Here's your next steps. Like, I think they're very helpful. Yes. That's a good way to sort of spread out your required fields. Mm -hmm. Right, because it's like, well, before the opportunity closes, I need to have this information, but nobody's going to have it when it opens. Process flow is a great way to get that requirement in the process flow at that stage, and then you don't need to worry about setting it as a required field overall. Yep. Or using business rules to require fields later on. So depending on their answers, yeah. mm -hmm. um, I love to do that. And I probably use it way too often because people think like, oh, I'm done. And then they go to hit save and it's like, nope, more required fields. <laughs> based on your previous entry. Yeah, I like to use business rules a lot to hide and show or like set default values too. Like, I think that really helps, you know, if a field's only needs to be there like conditionally, like some of the time, it's really easy to write a business rule for that. Except you can't do it on the multi-option set. I know, I just found that out this week. It is so frustrating. <laughs> I was like, we yeah. were like, why isn't this working? Oh, it doesn't work on multi-selects. Like you can't do processes on them either. It's horrible. Like multi-selects are the worst. They are. And I really try to avoid using them, but in some cases, like there's just you need they're there. Them. Yeah. And you need them. And it's better than doing like four different fields of checkboxes or something. Yeah. So um so yeah, it's I just wish that those were a little more developed and hopefully someday maybe. But. I know. I feel like they haven't enhanced them since they came out. But they also haven't enhanced editable grids since they came out and they are doing that in this wave coming up in April. So maybe it's like, they're just chipping away at the things that were like almost there, as I call that's, them. That's true. Like Microsoft yeah. was like, ah, oh, good enough. Yeah. So speaking of check boxes, like for yes, no fields, like a few years ago, like I would always say like, change the yes, no to a check box. Um, but these days, like with the toggle control and the mobile app, like, do you guys still feel like the checkbox is the best like UI option for the yes, no, or do you like, do, is the toggle better? I've actually completely switched to the toggle. Okay. Um, it's also more visual. Um, I like to add anything like those custom controls, any of those custom controls that I can add where it makes sense. Like I've seen some people go crazy with them and it's like, just like, like a dial here and a button <laughs> here and a, you know, but I mean, where it makes sense, I try to use some of those custom controls because it 
just makes the form not look so plain, so much white space. Uh, it yes. makes it just a little more intriguing, which I know like from a salesperson's perspective, they're never going to be like, oh, look at this like custom field with the like little speed dial. But it does make it a little less like mundane, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like people complain all the time about the too much white space in the system. Got to add a little color. Yeah, exactly. And I like to do them that way. So it makes it just more, a little more interesting. Yeah, I don't think those are used enough either. Like, it's easy to kind of forget that they're there and they're easy now. Like, because that wasn't always, that was not an easy thing to do previously. It's super easy now in the Maker Portal to add them. Mm -hmm. But you can even add custom controls for views. So, like, you mm -hmm. can take an activity view and make it a calendar. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I love doing that. That's, I think, a way better visualization than a grid, like a subgrid. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's what salespeople always ask for. They're like, hey, I want this activity to show up on my Outlook calendar but it's not going to, it's going to sink to somewhere else in Outlook. So this is kind of like how you can do the best of both worlds. Like, Hey, here's your calendar in dynamics showing you everything. And then if they're syncing their appointments back from Outlook, it can kind of give them that happy medium. Mm -hmm. It's true. Great points. Great points. All any, uh, any parting thoughts? I do. Um, I have one of my biggest pet peeves that we haven't talked about. Then you better bring it up is uh, custom entities with the puzzle piece icon. Like you should update your custom entity icons. We can put a link to resources for that. And there is an iconator, like a utility in the Xroom toolbox that helps you update them and makes the process easier. But it's not hard. It's just picking out pictures and uploading them as web resources. So please do that. That drives me nuts. <laughs> it drives me nuts when they're in the command bar too. So if you're adding like a custom yes. button and then yes. I don't know if you can do it now in the new UI. I've heard it's really difficult to change the like icon in the new command bar, but maybe yeah. I don't know. I haven't tried that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, but that drives me insane. So well, speaking of the commit, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, so my, my app that's like all puzzle pieces down the left that you wouldn't like to use that app. As long mm -hmm. as they fit together, maybe, but it's all the same oh. puzzle piece. So. That's true. I don't know why it bothers me so much. I just think <laughs> it's like, I don't know, you don't want to read, like, I feel like I know what some of the icons are and I feel like you've used the system enough. Like it just adds, like, if you're more visual, like there's the picture for this record type versus like having to read the names. Like, I just think it helps. It also looks unfinished to me. Yeah. It's yeah. like, we didn't have enough time to like fully complete this. So what else is missing? Right, right. Just unpolished. It's fair. Yeah. So I was gonna say like one other thing about the command bar, um, depending on like what they're using, like, like sometimes word templates are in the ellipsis. Like if that is something they're gonna use all the time, like I like to kind of prioritize the order of the command bar or hide things that they don't need um, just to streamline kind of the options and not show actions that they're not gonna use or have something that they're gonna click on every time under the ellipsis menu. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. Just like prioritizing the columns in your views. Right. Mm -hmm. Ashley, did you have any parting thoughts? Any, any pet peeves we haven't discussed? Yeah, I'd say the only pet peeve I have is when your tabs roll over. If you have so many tabs on a form and it rolls over into, I just call it the related button because there's no like name for it. I don't know if it's more commands or whatever. It's the three dots at the end. I hate it when tabs roll over into that because it's really confusing um, to a 
an end user, like, okay, this isn't actually related stuff. It's actually another tab. And, and then um, also because of the different screen sizes, you just don't know how many they're going to see. So having like 15 tabs is never the solution. Um, I would just throw that out there. So trying to limit the number of tabs you have, mm-hmm. people don't mind scrolling. They're used to it. So that's, a I, huge I agree. <laughs> I've never seen a system that does that. So I, I must be lucky to never have had that many tabs. I'll demo my system for you sometime, Liz. I trust you. I can picture <laughs> it. I believe you. <laughs> I was going to say, let's, let's just do a screen share later. You can see a couple. Um, all right. Good discussion. I think probably we should wrap it up here or we'll go all day, but uh, thank you both for your inputs and thanks everyone else for listening to my pithy comments. (laughs) Thanks, Marilyn. Thank you for listening to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast. For additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com, follow us on Twitter at dynamicshotdish, and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.